0: We're going to be in Philippians chapter 2, we're going to read verses 1 through 11, and here's what God's Word says. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I pray that as we unpack the truth of your Scripture today that you would be here with us and you would teach us. Um, God, we need you. And we know that when we open your Word that it is living and, acting and active and, and powerful and authoritative. And, and God, we need it to do things in us. God, we, we need it to correct and reprove and, and rebuke and comfort and teach us. And so I, I pray that you would do that right now so much so that when we leave here today, we would leave a different people, having, having been changed and in, in shaped by your authorita- authoritative word, of God, that, that you would give us the heart and the mind of Christ. In your name we pray, amen. All right, today we are going to be looking at the humility of Christ. Uh, More specifically, what Jesus' humility actually looked like when he was here in this world, and then um, how should God's people then live, right? If we're joined to Christ, if we're supposed to have his heart and his mind in us, what kind of people should we then be, all right? And I already know what some of you are thinking. Pastor Daniel, I do not need to hear a sermon on humility. I am probably the most humble person you've ever met, right? Ask anyone you know, and they will tell you I am perfect in humility, right? Well, if that's you, this sermon's for you, all right? And if it's not, this sermon is for you, because the truth is, um, deep down, we're all pretty pride, proud people, right? That's, that's the natural state we come into the world. So uh, let's start by looking at the unparalleled humility of Christ, I would say when it comes to humility being lived out, there's nobody who does it better than Jesus, right? He's, he's in a category all his own. Be, because if you think about it, no one has more of a right to be so full of themselves other than Jesus, right? I mean, like he's, he's the son of God. Yet when he comes down to earth, he is others focused, right? No one would have more of a right to come down to this broken world and say, hey, everyone, it's all about me. All right? You serve me, okay? You bow down to me, you make much of me. And yet he spends his whole life making much of others. Right? And so when when Paul is looking for um, good solid examples of humility, he doesn't have to look any further than Jesus himself. And in verses 5 through 8, which we just read, Paul gives us two great illustrations of the humility of Christ. He looks at his birth and he looks at his death. Let's look first at the Christmas story. Who is this Jesus and how exactly did he come into the world? So first of all, Colossians uh, chapter 1 verse 15 through 18 helps us understand who this Jesus is. And here's what that says. He is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn of all creations, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that in him and everything he might be preeminent. And so, who is this Jesus? He is the high king of heaven, right? He's, he's the creator and sustainer of all life. He's the one whom right now is sitting on a throne at the right hand of God, and like hordes and hordes and myriads and myriads of angels are falling down on their face and worshiping him, right? That, that's who King Jesus is. He, he has the highest, most supreme position above everyone and everything. And yet, how did he enter creation? How did this one who is so high above everyone come into the world? He came born as a baby, right? And in the likeness of, of sinful flesh, right? Jesus, Jesus took on flesh and bone. And, and with it, he, he took on the ability to get tired and hungry and sick and to feel pain. Like things that God gods would never have to deal with, right? He, he, he emptied himself and he, he came down, he put on flesh and he came into a dark and sinful world that hated him, right? If, if you look at the, the Christmas story, the second Jesus is born, there's people trying to kill him, right? Herod hears of this other king and he's like, no, I wanna be in charge, right? And he's got this murderous heart towards Jesus and, and, and where does he come? He's born into a small town in a barn built for animals and, and his bed is a feeding trough. Right? And none of that's on accident. Right? So, so God is sovereign and he, he so orchestrates human history so that all of those things are as they are. Right? He, he puts together the story of the birth of his son who had the highest position and he puts it together in this way to show you something about Jesus. God wants you to see that his son is a humble king. He he wants you to see that that Jesus is willing to, from the very beginning, go incredibly low. That that Jesus isn't afraid of getting dirty. He's not afraid of your sin, and he's not afraid of death. That's why the Christmas story starts out that way, because God is, is showing you who his son is, and just how humble he is, right? And, and Jesus, of course, doesn't only start off this way. He lives his whole life this way, right? If, if you look at the, the life of Christ, it's one of humility, right? He's, he, he, where can he be found, right? He's, he's, he's going places that no one else would go. He's among the, the sick and the lepers and the prostitutes and he's, and he's going there and he's, he's showing them love and compassion and kindness and he's serving them for their good. That's where we find Jesus. He's a friend of sinners and he lives his whole life this way in complete humility. So we shouldn't be surprised if he came in humility and he lived his whole life in humility that he would also die in humility. And that's the next thing that Paul turns his attention to. If you truly want to understand the fullness of Christ's humility, you have to look at the cross, right? That's like the, the peak of his humility or the apex of Christ's humbleness is when he goes to the cross. The, the cross is the most of Christ is the most undeserved, unwarranted, unfair moment in all of history, right? So Jesus didn't deserve to be within a billion miles of the cross, let alone hanging on it. Right and 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 yet there he is and he's 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 beaten and he's flogged and he's mocked and he's spat upon. And the the cross was something that was only fit for the most putrid of men and it was intended for low lifes and creeps. And yet Jesus died, a terrible death. There and so, the, the, in perfect humility, you have God's Son, the King of the Universe who is hanging on this cross and, and suffering this great amount of pain. And, and yet, that's not even the worst of it. That, that's not even the full depth of, of, of his humility because the worst part of the cross was when the sins of the world, okay, like think about this, the sins of the world, your brokenness and, and my brokenness and the, the most wicked kind of twisted broken things that have ever been done were placed upon Jesus. And God's righteous wrath His full-on anger and fury for the broken things that we have done was aimed straight at Christ and poured out on him. And and right then, in that moment, Jesus couldn't have gone lower. Like it it wasn't possible for him to humble himself any more than taking on the sins of the world and having the, the full wrath and hell that we deserve for an eternity aimed straight at him. And, and so I, I hope you can see like the humility of Christ to go from the right hand of God in a throne in, in, in heaven, deserving all glory, all power, all honor, to, to over, over here where he's at the lowest possible point, hanging on a cross, bearing the sins of the world, and, and taking dying the death that, that wicked, hell-deserving creatures deserve. Right? So that is the great chasm that Christ spanned. That is the massive, unknowable extent of Jesus' humanity. Or sorry, humility. And why does Paul draw our attention to it? So why is he, why is he making us or forcing us to look at Jesus' humility? Because he wants you and I to imitate it. He, he wants people who say they're joined to Jesus to be found doing the exact same things that Christ did. Now, there's lots of reasons you can imitate someone. So you can do it as a form of mockery, right? You guys may find this hard to believe, but when I was younger, I was really good at this, right? If it was like an Olympic a sport, I would have got a gold medal at it. Right, my my friends and I did it all the time. Um, that's not what that's not what Paul is telling us to do. To 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 imitate Christ in a form of mockery. You can also imitate someone out of duty. Right, a lot of you had jobs like this. You go there and you like you're smart and you know a better way to do it, but they won't let you. Right, they say this is the way you do it. This is the way we've always done it. You are not allowed to do it another way. You have to do it exactly like I do it. And so you begrudgingly, okay, fine, I'll do it your way, right? That's not the kind of imitation that that Paul is calling us to, okay? Or you can imitate someone because you truly want to be like them, right? You you, you look at that person and you admire them and you say, I'm going to do what they do because I actually want to be like them. I want to be remade so that when I'm done following after them, I come out on the other side and I'm just like they are. And that is the kind of imitation that Christians are called to, to imitate Christ because we actually want to be like Christ. That's what Paul is inviting us to. So let's look at verses 1 and 2 of our passage. So then, if there is any encouragement in Christ... Any comfort and love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, and being found in full accord and of one mind. So Paul here is saying to, to this church, he's saying, you know what would make me so happy, church? If, if when I came, I found you having the same heart and mind as Jesus like, if, if when I get there, if I arrive for my trip, if you're actually loving one another, right, and, and you're cu- encouraging one another, and you're, you're showing each other real sympathy and affection, and you're really fellowshipping, and, and when I come, I see a bunch of people who look like Jesus. That, that would max out my joy, church. In other words, he's saying, it would be a truly beautiful thing if Christians were Christ-like. That, that's what he's saying, Right? And and wouldn't it though? I mean, honestly, when when I think of the most broken and messed up and ugly parts of my life, you know when they happen? When I was not being Christ like. When I was not imitating and following after Jesus. Right? And and you know, and you know what happens, you know when my 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 family and, and my wife and my kids, you know when they aggravate me the most? And it's the same for you, I'm sure. When they're not following Jesus. And they're not being Christ-like. So I I think that we could all agree with Paul here and say that that the church and God's people would be a lot better off, that our joy would be a lot more full if we were actually pursuing being more like Jesus. That's what he's telling us. And and if if we were laboring hard to share in his heart and his mind. And so let me just ask you some, some hard questions. Are you working on that? Are you are you doing anything at all in effort to become more like Christ? Or are, are you opening up God's word and, and getting into it and saying, Jesus, I I need you. I, I want to be like you. I want I want you, you have a great heart and you have a you have a great mind. And I see you serving and loving others, and I want to do that, but, but I got this problem. I'm super selfish. So would you work on me? Would you teach me? I'm gonna seek you out and I'm gonna trust you and I'm gonna obey you? Like, are, are you doing that? Are, are you plugged into a small group yet? Are you attending Bible studies? Are you leading your family in this way? And, and I know, I know, I get it, I understand this does not happen overnight, right? It takes our entire life to be, be transformed and conformed into the image of Christ. But, but let me ask you this, are you more like Jesus than you were last year? Do you, do you love him more or want him more than you did three months ago? Are we becoming more like Christ? Now, don't forget where we started off in this sermon, okay? Um, we, we, we talked about Jesus and his humility, him being uh, servant-hearted. Okay, he, he, um, he, He's got this humility where he comes down to lift others up. Okay, he, he leaves heaven. He comes down all the way to the cross. And so, keeping those things in mind, let's look at what Paul says in verses 3 through 5 of our passage. Starting in verse 3 Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility. Count others more significant than yourselves. One of the hardest verses in the Bible. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Having this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Okay, so Paul is calling us to do this very, very hard thing to actually put others before ourselves. Okay, do you know how incredibly selfish mankind is apart from Christ? Like, it, it starts day one, right? I mean, everybody, you, you see it if you've had a newborn baby, right? Like, everything is about them. And, and they don't even know how to talk or walk, but they figure out how to scream just to get their way, right? And then they, they get a little older, and they learn words, and some of the first words they learn are me and mine, right? And that comes out of them. And here's, here's what's true. We grow up. All right? And we get a little bit more careful and wise and cautious, but we're still all super selfish, right? We just learn how to hide it, right? We, we, we learn how to, to, to cover it up so that we, it doesn't make us look uh, so bad, right? And so um, we, we, we get older, but we still deep down inside of us, there's this selfish person saying, Me first. I want things to go my way right? Like I've got things figured out. And if everybody would just get on board and do things the way that I want, I would be really happy and my life would go really well. Me first, right? That's deep down in us. And we battle it every day of our life. We all have this ugly heart and I got to see mine this week on my birthday, right? And if there's ever a day If there's ever a day when it's okay to be me me first, it's on your birthday, right? That's national me first day, all right? And so it it was my birthday and it was something stupid and it was something small and it was something that didn't matter at all, but it was something that didn't go my way and it got under my skin, right? Like I wanted it to go this way and it was not going that way. And, And here's what I let it do. I let it ruin my entire day and my family's entire day. Isn't that crummy, right? And, and, and if I would have been imitating Christ, I could have let it go. If I if would have been following after him, I would have put others above my own interest. But, but because I was had this me first heart, all I could think about was myself, right? And it affected everyone around me. And that's how a me first world works, okay? If everyone is jockeying for first place, if, every, if everyone is trying to get their own way, who gets to be happy? Only the person who gets the number one spot, right? Only the person who gets their way. That, that's how me first works. But, but, it, but it crushes and it pushes down everyone around you. And, 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 and so let me ask you this. If you live that way, how happy is your marriage gonna be? Like if both of you are like me first people and you're, you don't care about the needs of your spouse and you're, you're both trying to get what you want, you're gonna be miserable, right? What, what is your relationship with your kids gonna be like if you're a me first person? Or, or what kind of friend will you be? Or, or think about this, what kind of witness for Christ will you be to the world if you are a me first person? You see, the the idea of a me first Christian doesn't even make sense, right? Yeah, I follow Jesus, that servant hearted guy who left heaven and came down to this broken world and and he took care of others and and he was compassionate and kind and sympathetic, but I don't do any of that. That that doesn't even make sense, does it? Like, do you see how broken that is? Yeah, Jesus loves difficult people, but man, it's hard to serve others, And I'm so busy just trying to make my life great, and I'm only worried about me. I don't have time for other broken people. Like that, that a me first Christian doesn't even make sense. Following Jesus, yet looking nothing like him. Man, I I pray that 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 could be said of none of us in the world. The the world sees that, by the way. They see when when people um, claim to follow Christ, yet don't do it. I had a conversation with a guy the other day, and he used the word hypocrite, right? That's, that's, that's what the world sees when they see people who say they love Jesus but don't look like him. Instead, I pray that, that we would be a people who would share in the heart and the mind of God, which the text says is yours in Christ Jesus. So the, the, the heart you need to love difficult people, where do you find that? It's, it's in Christ. The mind you need to think of other people before you think of yourself, where is that? It's, it's in Christ, all right? And, and when I say in Christ, I'm talking about a real relationship with Jesus where you trust him and you obey him and you follow after him and you're saying, Jesus, help me. I want to be like you are. I want to love people how you love them. I want to think how you think, but I've got this broken thing inside of me. I'm sinful. I'm selfish. I can't do it on my own. So you're daily coming to Jesus, and you're saying, would you please give me your heart for others? And I got this family, and they're just as busted up as I am. They're hard to love. Would you, would you help me love them? Right? I've got these neighbors that are lost and they think a different way than I do. Would you help me be compassionate and sympathetic towards them and to remember that I was once them or worse, (laughs) right? Jesus, please, I need your help doing this, okay? I need your love. I need your sympathy. I need your affection. I need your heart and your mind and your spirit. And then only then in Christ can we go out and be others first kind of people who puts other people's needs and interests above our own. And now let let me ask you the same questions I did just a few minutes ago. If you live like that, right? If you're imitating Christ and you're you're really laboring hard to be an other's first kind of person, how how is your marriage going to be? Man, it will flourish, right? Right? What will your relationship with your kids be like? Man, when you walk through the, do, the door, they'll be happy you're home, right? They'll, they'll run up to you because they'll, they'll view you as this person who's going to put them first and who cares about them. What kind of friend will you be? What kind of witness for Christ will you be? Okay, it seems to me that a me first life leads to complete misery, not only for you, but for everyone around you, but an other's first life has a glorious end. okay, I, I believe that's true, but but the world does not believe this is true. Okay, I, I talked to a friend just the other day about this very thing, and and here's he was really honest. He said, I love what you're saying, okay? I, I love that, that Jesus and Christianity and his followers say that you should put others first. I love that they say you should be mission-minded and go other places that, and, and tell people the good news of the gospel. He says, I love all that, but it doesn't work. And here's why he said it doesn't work. Because you'll lose. That's what he told me. He said, you will lose. If you live your life that way, you'll get the shaft Okay, your needs will not get taken care of and other people will run all over you. You will waste your life. That's what what his opinion was, okay? And so is that true? Do those who follow after Jesus lose? Do they get a bad deal? Not at all, okay? In Matthew 19, when Jesus is at the end of the story of the rich young ruler, uh, Jesus is having a conversation with Peter. Okay, a a rich man had just came up and he refused heavenly treasure, right? It was available to him. uh, Eternal life was available to him, but he didn't wanna lose, right? So Jesus said, hey, get rid of all your worldly possessions. I'll give you heavenly treasure, follow after me. And he said, I can't do that. I don't wanna let go of things here. I don't wanna come in second place. I wanna keep my stuff, right? And he walks away and then Peter looks at Jesus and he says, hey, we gave up stuff, huh? Huh? What are you gonna, what, what's coming for us, right? And Jesus is kind and compassionate and listen to his words, okay? Then Peter said in reply, see what we have left. We've left everything and followed you. What then will we have? And Jesus said to them, truly I say to you, in the new world, when the son of man will, man will set on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also set on 12 thrones. Judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And everyone, okay, not just them, but everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my name's sake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. And then he says these words. But many who are first will be last. And many who are last or and the last will be first. Okay, so Jesus is saying here to Peter, dude, don't worry, I promise you don't get a bad deal. This isn't really a sacrifice in the, when you look at it through the lens of eternity, all right? Things are gonna go very, very well for you, okay? You're, you're going to get amazing and awesome things. You're gonna get to share in my glory, Peter, okay? Those, those who are last are going to be exalted, But people who make this life all about themselves will soon realize that it wasn't. Those those who try to be first are going to end up being last and the last first. So those who make this world all about them, they're gonna realize it wasn't. And those people who go low, following after Jesus, serve others to, to make much of other people, those people are gonna be first. They're gonna be lifted up and they're going to be exalted. That's what Jesus says. He says it in in that passage, and he shows it to be true in our passage. Look at verses uh, 5 through 8, back in Philippians. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant and being born in the likeness of sinful man or sorry, of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So Jesus from his birth to his death and even now lives in great humility. And where did it lead him? To a cross, yes. To a brutal, ugly death, yes. To pain and misery, yes. But just for a moment and then to forever glory. That's what the rest of the passage says. Pick back up in verse nine. Therefore, because Jesus went low, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven, on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. So Jesus lives this servant-hearted others first kind of life where he's going low. And yes, it's hard, yes, it's painful, yes, there's suffering involved, okay? But it leads to eternal forever glory. And Jesus invites you and I to follow in those footsteps to be a humble people in Christ who are living servant-hearted lives where we're putting others first, right? That's that's what he's calling us into this passage. But he's also calling not only to share in his humility and to share in his going low and to share in his sufferings, but to share in his glory. And that is all throughout the Bible. That is all throughout the Bible. Here's two of my fa- favorite verses, okay? So um, not only present suffering with Jesus, but sharing in his glory. 2 Corinthians four seventeen and 18 says, For this light momentary affliction is preparing for for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, only here and now, but to the things that are unseen, the things that are to come, for the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are coming and unseen are eternal. In Romans 8, 18, it says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Okay? Glory is the end of those who are in Christ. And so as, as we wrap up this morning and, and we pray, man, I would invite you guys to respond to God's word. So whenever we open up God's word, he speaks to us, right? This, this is truth, these are the words of God and, and God's word should do something in us. If we receive it, if we trust it, man, there should be some kind of step of obedience. And so I don't know what that is for you today. Um, may, maybe you've realized, man, I, I've had a really me-focused heart lately. Right, That was me just a few days ago on my birthday, right? And so you know what my response was? Faith and repentance. Jesus, that was ugly, right? I, I was unkind to my wife and my kids. Jesus, forgive me for my sins, and I'm going to go apologize to them. And I'm going to tell them I was selfish. And, and I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to be a different guy going forward. and And as soon as I see that ugly heart in me, I'm going to repent of it right so maybe that's maybe that 's a step of obedience maybe it 's this maybe you 're saying man I, I have not been laboring very hard to have the, the mind and the heart of christ i 've not been trying to open up god 's word i, I haven 't been trying to grow in christ 's likeness, and I really do I, I really do want to be more like jesus so so maybe that that step for you is getting plugged into a Bible study or a small group or or getting better at doing your daily Bible time, whatever it is. Um, God has spoken, and, and man, may we be people who would, who would trust and obey him. Let me pray. Father God, you are so good, and you are so glorious. You're so humble, and you're so kind. God, you left glory, and worship, and praise, and, and power, and authority. And you, you left, you emptied yourself, and you came down. You humbled yourself to the form of a servant. And you were an other's first kind of king. God, you, you lived your life looking to, to lift others up, caring about their interests above your own. God, may we be such a people. God, help us look like you. Jesus, please, God, we, we, are, we are proud and we are selfish and we are sinful. Our only hopes to have your heart and your mind. Would you put it in us, God? So so that those of us in this room in this church would would go out into the world, we'd go out in our t- our community right and and we would be an other's first kind of people so that the world would see it and say man th- those people are like Jesus. God that that we would be like lights in a dark world or like life among dead people. And that, that as, as we go out and as we trust you and follow you, you would move and you would bring more people unto yourself, God. And, and you would you would fill this whole world up with people who are made in your image and likeness for your glory and our joy. In your name we pray, amen.